Good morning, church. Good morning to all of our friends online. Uh, I want to jump right into the conversations today. And I really want you to pay special attention to what we're going to share today. I've been moved by these conversations that I've had with uh, the folks that you will see on the screen with me. I also ask you to pay attention, too, because this is going to be different from some of the conversations that we've had. If you're watching us online now, if you're here with us today in the auditorium, you'll be able to see this message in its entirety. But if not, we cannot keep all of this material on YouTube after today. I will explain that in a moment. But I want you to join me in a conversation, and a conversation about a, a topic that we once talked about as something that existed once upon a time. Or we had the idea that this is the sort of thing that happens in some other nations. But now more and more in my lifetime, I'm noticing that people talk about the possibility, the real possibility of persecution toward believers in America. Now, I don't think that we're entirely there yet, at least not in some sort of direct, authoritative persecution. But we'll talk about that in a moment. I think this is a good conversation for us to have as we learn. And I want you to pay attention to three key questions that I am trying to find the answers for in these conversations. What I'm asking you to do is join me on a journey as I ask people who have lived where there is persecution, as I ask them these questions. First of all, I want to know, why would people follow Jesus where it is opposed? Very few of us have had to make a decision to follow Jesus in a land where we know it would be illegal, where we could be ostracized, and where we could be truly cast out or punished for doing so. Oh, we might get some, uh, some, some, you know, some kickback from family members or from others. We might get some ridicule, but I'm talking about governmental persecution. I'm asking the question also, how can the church thrive and grow amid such hostility? I mean, do we, do we continue to, to grow the church in these places knowing what the cost is going to be? Well, I'm going to ask our friends in conversation this morning about that and also ask them about the opportunities in those places. And finally, I want, to, I want you to join me in asking this question. How should believers respond to persecution? Let's say that persecution, let's say that opposition could be a real reality for us in the near future. Well, we, we need to start learning now what that means. And we need to start learning, can we change the course of the river or do we just need to keep on swimming? These are the sort of questions that I want to ask this morning. God's Word told us that these things would be like this. In 2 Timothy 3, you have a conversation where the Apostle Paul is speaking with his mentor through a letter. Or he's the mentor to Timothy and he's speaking with his, uh, his young learner, And he shares with him uh, this. He says, understand, Timothy, that the last days will be dangerous times. People will be selfish and love money. They'll be the kind of people who brag and who are proud. They will slander others and they will be disobedient to their parents. They'll be ungrateful, unholy, unloving, contrary, 
and critical. They'll be without self-control and brutal, and they won't love what is good. They will be people who are disloyal, reckless, and conceited. They will love pleasure instead of loving God. And they will look like they are religious, but they will deny God's power. Avoid people like this. You've seen me experience physical abuse and ordeals in places such as Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. I put up with all sorts of abuse, and the Lord rescued me from all of it. In fact, anyone who wants to live a holy life in Christ Jesus will be harassed. But evil people and swindlers will grow even worse as they deceive others while being deceived themselves. But you must continue with the things you learned and found convincing. You know who taught you. Since childhood, you've known the Holy Scriptures that help you to be wise in a way that leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now let's talk about our own nation. In the United States of America, the government ultimately rests with us. But that means also that we can be our own oppressors. That we can become the ingrained institution that teaches our own spiritual form of karma. That you have to get it right. That you have to be your own savior. And if you don't get it right, you're going to pay for that forever. And so we end up with a government and a culture that has no grace, that has no forgiveness, that has no hope. And it's our negative, hopeless nature that causes us to complain about ourselves, about others, and about everything that we don't like. But I ask you, when you read Paul's conversation with Timothy, didn't he say it was going to be like this? Why are we complaining about all that when he told us it's going to be like this? And nowhere in the scripture does he say, if you people will complain a little louder and a little harder, then everything will be much better. I think the lesson that we need to learn from our friends in other nations are these. One, they endure persecution, we can too. Scripture says that anyone who wants to live a holy life in Jesus Christ, it's not going to be welcomed everywhere. There are going to be forces, there are going to be authorities, there are going to be powers that are threatened by that. So what? We know it's going to be that way. Do the right thing. And we need to stop complaining about it. Secondly, we need to make sure that we submit to God rather than to our own notions of government. Our own notions of government, we can label those God and we can say, well, that's God's will. God's will is for me to do this. It may be our rebellious, independent individualism. And we're saying that that's what God wants me to be. He wa God wants me to be whatever I want to be. In America, we have a way of making God embrace anything we want. That's the that's the challenge that we have in this country I'm glad and I'm thankful that government resides with the people don't get me wrong but I also know that that comes with a hefty load of responsibility and we need to recognize that it also means we need to we need to keep our eyes open some would accuse us of clinging to our guns and our religion and yeah maybe 
Maybe evangelicals have sold out the truth by making deals with populist politics or even Republican politics. But do you think it's going to be more righteous or more faithful to God to side with progressives or those who are self-righteous in their left-leaning politics? No. In fact, we shouldn't be playing games with either of those political spectrums. We need to be seeking the truth of God and let it convict us and let it correct us, just like the people in these other nations are trying to seek God. Just like a simple line from a movie like The Sound of Music can open the minds of people in some nations. By the way, if you keep listening to that song, nothing comes from nothing, nothing ever could. Ah, interesting. But the rest of it speaks of a kind of American karma. I, I know it's set in Europe and it's all about the Nazis and all that and Julie Andrews is British, but that movie is American. That movie's about as American as it gets because the song goes on from there and it says nothing comes from nothing, nothing ever could. Somewhere in my childhood... I must have done something good. Karma! And we need to seek the truth because we live with these untruths and half-truths. And we need to lean. That's why you're here. That's why we come together. To devote ourselves to that truth no matter what the cost. We're going to sing these songs and we're going to come around the Lord's Supper as we consider the one who endured hostility from sinful humanity, he embraced the cross, and he was glad to do it.